0: Hello everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of the Belmont Journal, Belmont's own program for hyperlocal news and community affairs programming. I'm your host, Roger Colton. The U.S. House of Representatives this week overwhelmingly voted to recognize the 1915 slaughter of 1.5 million Armenians as genocide. The Belmont Journal brings you Congresswoman Catherine Clark's floor speech talking about the importance of that resolution to her constituents in Watertown and Belmont.
1: Mr. Speaker, I rise today in strong support of House Resolution 296 that commemorates the Armenian Genocide through official recognition and remembrance. More than 100 years ago, an estimated one and a half million Armenians were massacred by the Ottoman Empire. There is no argument that this undeniable crime against humanity occurred. It is not an opinion or an interpretation of events. It is fact. Yet despite the overwhelming consensus of historians and scholars, there are those who would deny the awful truth that this was a genocide. To those I would say, if you do not recognize the darkest pages of history, you will never fully learn the lessons they hold. So today, I stand with my constituents from across my district, but particularly from Watertown, Massachusetts, home to a thriving Armenian diaspora community, to urge this house to pass House Resolution 296 and recognize this crime against humanity for what it was, a genocide. Thank you and I yield back.
0: Hello everyone and welcome to This Week in the Belmontonian. Franklin Tucker, editor and publisher of the Belmontonian, joins us this week. Thanks for coming back. (laughs)
2: Thank you very much.
0: Uh, Belmont is going to be welcoming uh, Kelly and Stephen Tomasello to uh, to town Does that's where right, they're busi- up
2: that's right they are business people but it's the uh, business that they're bringing to town and that is a recreational or uh, a retail marijuana dispensary uh, Belmont voted for one uh, when it came up uh, to uh, on a vote in in the, in the state uh, we favored it we passed bylaws. Well, it's happening.
0: (laughs) And where is this uh, business going to be
2: It's going to be at 1010 um, uh, Pleasant Street, which is uh, just a little bit um, to the north of uh, Star Market. It's it's in the area that the town has designated as uh, where marijuana marijuana can be sold.
0: And do you uh, have the history of of Kelly and Stephen?
2: Well, apparently this is their first venture into uh, cannabis uh, uh, retail um uh, they are from Winchester uh, uh, s- uh, s- um, um, mr Tomasello is uh, uh, does commercial uh, brokerage uh, re- uh, re- uh, uh, re- real estate, real estate. Bro- brokerage uh-huh. um, and uh, um, Kelly has a long history of, of retail and um, uh, management and, and, and like hospitality. Uh, they, they, they are starting the, in their bio, they said that uh, one of the reasons the reason that they're, they're going into this is, is they had a, a situation with their son who was born uh, a couple of years ago, where he has special needs. So they're, so their whole outlook uh, changed on in terms of alternative care, alternative medicine, and, and and they really opened them up to to what 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 um, alternative medicine alternative treatment and wellness is so that's what brought them to this uh, place they want to they, they they say in their 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 uh, their statement to the town that this is a, a, a health and wellness center you know so they see this as, a, as, a, as not so much as a um, um, a place where you can buy pot but as a, as a place where you can or you can uh, assist yourself in in, in finding alternatives to, uh, to to traditional medicines
0: now my understanding is that there's a whole process that, that occurs it doesn't it's not that <laughs> they simply announce we're opening a store and yeah they have start.
2: They, it, 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 there's a there's a number of things that they have to go through number one there's a lot of public meetings they need a special permit also because it is part of a special permit process and there's also a, um, a, a there's also a, a, a thing that they have to negotiate with the town—that's and that's a host, a host uh, community agreement—and that's basically it's three um, percent of the annual gross revenues over five years uh, that will come to the town. So it's a good, it's a nice little revenue source, um, and. Go ahead.
0: And the town can ask for more than that, right? That's right. A a voluntary donation, but we need to be careful about that. That's
2: right? right. It's been very controversial. It's basically a donation. You can ask for a donation. Some towns will ask for a donation for police protection on, let's say, I don't know, heavily heavy days where you have a lot of... People in pot uh, who come to these shops. I mean, that's exactly what happened in, in Central Massachusetts when the first uh, recreational uh, marijuana shops opened up. There were huge lines. So uh, a donation could be like, "Will you help us with the police with your own police protection?" You know, uh, it can also be for uh, drug um, uh, awareness at the high school, let's say. But they can't. But there, there's there's a lot of examples where towns are asking a lot more than just a small little donation.
0: And we need to avoid that. That's right. Okay. Well, thanks for bringing us up to date. We've been speaking with Franklin Tucker, editor and publisher of the Belmontonian, Belmont's online source for hyperlocal news. Hello, everyone. Welcome to This Week in the Belmont Citizen Herald. I have with me today Joanna Juvelis, who is the senior multimedia journalist for Wicked Local Belmont. Joanna, welcome back. Happy Halloween. Uh, you too uh, there speaking of halloween there is a restaurant on Trapello road that for the last 8 years just seems to have been through a, stri- a stream of bad luck can you bring I would say it's been date?
3: it's definitely been spooked roger <laughs> and that would be tropical diner 628 trapello road unfortunately there was a fire on the night of october 27th which the tenants who live in the two family behind it's attached behind the restaurant. They saw the smoke coming out of the roof of the restaurant and called 911. turns out there was a fire in the basement office of Tropical Diner, which Chief David Frizzell said was caused by a space heater that was left turned on and
0: unattended. And my understanding is a lot of people don't realize, but not only is the restaurant closed, but there are
3: four residents now uh, displaced. that have been displaced
0: right. in the a uh, two-family right. home that's attached at the right. back.
3: Now, I've been trying to reach the owners of the restaurant who lease lease the building from a Greek family. I'm also trying to reach that Greek family to find out what, what they're going to do now. As it turns out, people still are going to the restaurant thinking it's open, and there's no sign on the door or anything. They're just seeing that it's all boarded up, and I think they're disappointed they really wanted, you know, the tropical diner fare that was there. And it's unfortunate that that uh, site has had bad luck for eight years. It's This is now the third diner that opened there since Andros Diner closed in 2011. Well
0: there was the Sweet Peach and then there was Phoenix the, Grill. the Phoenix Grill.
3: And now most recently, only since March, Tropical Diner.
0: And there is no news yet on whether that's going no. to reopen. No news yet. Okay, let's close the door on that so to speak mm-hmm. and uh, talk about buildings that are going to open. Uh, the yes. DPW and the uh, the police station. Yes, those are. Let's start those, out with the new police station. Yes,
3: very exciting. I got to tour. That's one of the perks of my job is I get to go on construction tours and wear hard hats, and I was very <laughs> excited to do that. I got a tour of the police station, which is currently under renovation. The existing building is being completely renovated inside. It's all gutted. Walls have been torn down. Rugs have been... Torn and they
0: found some surprising. They've, they
3: did maple hardwood underneath yes. these rugs. That might be a savings for the town. They won't need to put new hardwood. They can just refurbish this old hardwood.
0: And is there an expectation date of when it's going to be done?
3: Well, just so you know, they also put the ten, the footings are in for the foundation for the ten thousand square foot addition. The dirt has all been dug up. It's amazing to see firsthand. It really is. So that project is scheduled to be completed the end of next year. So this time, oh, of, like, December of next year, they'll hopefully be moving back in.
0: Okay, and then there's the DPW, which is DPW even, uh, on a on an even faster. Yes, track.
3: yes, not as complicated of a project. They had to put an addition. They did do some interior renovations to the existing facility. This will add 10 years of life to the facility. It's it's adding really nice locker facilities and showering facilities, laundry facilities, and. Uh, see office space
0: and and my understanding is that there are now facilities for both men and women yes which they lacked before yes
3: and much improved air ventilation which is very necessary for that facility and it is scheduled to be open the end of this year they're they're just about they're they're almost done i mean it's all framed and they'll just have to put in the toilets and all that i even got a picture of one of the showers
0: (laughs) that's great well so the big four uh, construction projects uh, uh, continue to move forward.
3: Yeah, I think it's exciting. Dataless is definitely doing a good job as the onerous project manager.
0: That's great. Thanks for bringing us up to date. We have been speaking with Joanna Juvelis with the Belmont Citizen Herald. The Belmont Marauder football team is on its way to the state playoffs this year. The Belmont Journal brings you the story.
4: It's the regular season finale at Harris Field. Big night, a senior night as well. And the Marauders looking to try to qualify for the Division Three North playoffs. They get a fortuitous bounce early on as Woburn fumbled the opening kickoff and the Marauders recover deep in Tanner territory. Then it's a handoff to Chad Francis who's been on a tear lately. Puts it in quickly, 7-0 Belmont. Then it's senior quarterback Avery Arno firing, finds his co-captain Zach Hubbard wide open for the long touchdown. And just like that, the Marauders are already up 14 nothing still in the first quarter here is francis again as we said he has been on a roll the last three games he's run for 701 yards and seven touchdowns including this 95 yard run to the house and it's already 21 nothing after the first quarter second quarter action More of chad francis his third touchdown of the game puts the marauders up big here is a long pass for Woburn but it's intercepted by Preston Jackson-Stevens and you'll see the nice return here for the Marauders who rolled over Woolbert. Final score this one was 42-7 to and we'll get to see another long touchdown pass from Arno to Hubbard again for his second and the two will uh, go get together one more time. Arno finishes eight for ten. Hubbard, three touchdown receptions, and there's the exclamation point at the end of a very impressive win. Marauders qualify for the D3 North playoffs at Danvers High School on Friday, November 1st, 7 o'clock.
0: The Benton Library is a privately owned and operated public library run by neighborhood volunteers. The Benton's interest, however, goes far beyond the books that it shelves. BMC's Jane Peters brings us the story.
5: So my name is Elizabeth Gibson and I'm the president of the Friends of the Benton Library. We license the building from the town. We do fundraising to cover all the expenses associated with the building. We just do our best to keep the doors open and and run a little library. There was a mansion and it was built in 1820 by a man named Mr. Cushing but at one point it was sold to a man who ran a school and the school built this building to be a chapel. The grounds changed hands several more times. The last owner was Everett C. Benton. When he died his family ended up selling the mansion but donating this building to the town to be used as a library. It stayed a library from 1930 up until 2009. It actually got closed, it got given back to the selectmen, and it reopened under the auspices of the Friends of the Benton Library in 2011. I started volunteering here in uh, 2013,
6: and I just walked by the library one day. It's a very striking building, um, and a lot of times people just kind of walk in and they're like, what is this place? So I basically help staff the library, make sure that all of our shifts are fully staffed. And for the most part, we have regulars that that come in and they do those regular shifts week after week after week. Um, We have what we call substitution shifts. Those substitute people will come in and they, they fill shifts as they desire. For some people it's the books, for some people it's the the building itself, you know some people need the community service hours and we're a really great opportunity for that. So yeah it's a lot of things that bring people here. I think the reason most people stay are you know the people
5: uh, the community itself. We have free library cards. Anyone can have a library card. We don't charge overdue fines. We you know we can't do what the main library does. We can't provide the wealth of resources and services that they provide. But what we have is a nice small building that children find very appealing. So I know when my children were little we spent a lot of time here. And um, a lot of people who come through the door remember when they were children in this building. There are no boundary restrictions. We're here for the neighborhood, we're here for the town of Belmont, but we're here for far more than that. We're not exclusive in any way. We hope everyone will come here and be part of our community. Belmont
0: resident Cindy Reitmeyer is known throughout the metropolitan region as Boston Tech Mom. This past weekend, Reitmeyer hosted the Boston STEM Fair and the Belmont Journal was there.
7: We're here at the Lexington High School in Lexington, Massachusetts today for the Boston STEM Fair. This is an event for families who want to come find STEM activities and programs for their kids. I started Boston Tech Mom about five years ago because, one, I worked in the tech industry, so I was exposed to a lot of cool, innovative technologies and worked with scientists and engineers and saw the the amazing kind of jobs they had and, and the type of work they were doing. And then I became a parent and my oldest daughter had an interest in technology at a very young age. She was the kid who loved Legos and played with robotics and and liked to code. So I was searching for opportunities for her out of school at a very young age. And we are very fortunate in Massachusetts. We've got lots of different programs, but sometimes it can be hard to find them. And so a couple years ago, I thought, why don't I take... The research I've done, my knowledge, my experience, and share that with other parents because I know they're looking for these same kind of experiences. So my work on Boston Tech Mom is all online. I have a lot of resources on my website and I publish articles for parents but it was important for me to take what I do online and bring it into the real world and really connect parents and organizations so they can talk about their programs and help families discover programs that are going to be a great fit for their kids. I host the Boston STEM Fair because I do want to raise awareness for STEM education and I think it's really important for families to be able to come meet all the wonderful STEM organizations we have around the greater Boston area. I think nothing beats a face-to-face conversation so they can come and learn about coding programs and robotics and clubs and classes and talk with these organizations about their curriculum, how they teach students, the hands-on activities they have, the kind of projects kids will be working on. I think that sometimes we get a limited view on STEM and we just think about the science class we take at school or the math class. But really, I think where you get the interest and excitement among young kids is when you start to work on projects and you're building things It's tactile and things don't work the first time and you've got to figure out why. That's part of the engineering process. STEM is not just associated with schools. There's definitely the school working during the day. I would definitely encourage parents to check out the PTA and PTO after school enrichment programs. They often offer STEM today, so that's a great way to do that within your your school, your actual school or your school district. Um, But then you'll find clubs and classes sometimes at the library. You'll find them at colleges and universities. And then there's a lot of companies and organizations who offer programs where you go on site to their location to be part of uh, a program.
0: The 2019 season of the Belmont Farmers Market is now over. As we look forward to next year's Farmers Market, let's meet some of the volunteers that keep the market running and appealing.
8: We're really lucky here. We have a lot of people that um, volunteer to work with us. Uh, We've got a really good committee of people that do the sort of oversight and make sure that we've got good events and that we're following all the requirements and that we have good vendors to come in. We got a lot of people from the schools as well that come down for community service, but some of them really like it and they wind up staying a long time.
9: I'm 17, so I'm a senior at Belmont High School and I've been working at the farmer's market as a face painter and a volunteer for about two years. Every Thursday, that's where me and my family got groceries and vegetables so when I was looking for volunteer opportunities in high school I talked to the market manager and I did volunteer work I helped at like art at the market and at the kids tables and I took tallies of people and then I suggested doing face painting and I did that last summer and it kicked off and now it's something that is almost every Thursday I loved it it's so much fun it's it's such a great little community at the market and I get to get closer to my community and really get to know the kids. They know me by name and I know them by name and I talk to the parents and I, I really feel like I've gotten closer to Belmont in a way.
2: I've been volunteering since near the end of seventh grade. Uh, now I started ninth grade. You get to help out and it, you can see the impact firsthand. There was this lady one time that she needed help to move around the market and sort of like having to go get her things, where to go first, like when to take her to the car when she's done, how to handle her change and
8: stuff. I think it's, it's okay. important. It's with a short piece of rope. I have been in the farmer's market doing magic here on the road. The about eight or nine years. It was right near the beginning of my like interest like in magic. All three when I was 14, I took a job working at the Magic Art Studio in Watertown. And so it was around that time that Vicky had called up uh, the Magic Art Studio. I had really never performed for a type of crowd like this before. I wasn't doing shows, it was just as a hobby at that point. But I had a few stuff, so I came here, and I just started performing. We set up a few dates for the next year, and I came back for that. I ended up printing up business cards, and for a good solid couple of years, most of the money I made in Magic came from people who saw me right here at the Belmont Farmer's Market. I owe a lot to the Farmer's Market, so that's why uh, I think it's one of the main reasons why I love coming back here. It's because I just love the community here. I love giving back because I have actually received a lot of that out of it myself. And I love the families, and I love the kids.
0: For the second year, town hall employees welcome kids with tricks and treats on the Monday before Halloween. Joanna Juvelis was there.
5: Oh my God, it's Jaws. <laughs> Hi everyone, second annual Halloween trick-or-treat at Town Hall Complex. We're here giving out candy to trick-or-treaters um, at the Town Hall and the Homer Building. Offices and departments have dressed up in their favorite characters, and as you can see, I am Belle this year. Uh, the Town Administrator's Office has done beauty and the beast
1: I think it brings the public into town hall and the t- and um, brings children in to learn about the government to meet people in a more informal capacity and it's fun for a good for morale for departments oh, happy
0: Halloween this year is Boston sports keeper fans
1: so, uh,
4: yeah, yeah we're pretty uh, passionate Boston sports fans here at the Rec department as you can see from our spread of uh, collectible memorabilia and we're just having a good time enjoying Halloween at town hall And
2: the cool thing about being sports fans is we also are fans of everyone who shows up for Halloween so we like to cheer on the people who come down in their costumes yeah!
9: Oh, it's so much fun. The kids are loving it. Um, Better than Halloween night itself.
6: Um, It's good for the community, and I think that the kids had an awesome, you know, fun time.
9: I appreciate that the workers and everyone really went Yeah.
6: So we did assorted animals, and given that I am the animal control officer, we figured we would follow the theme and just do as many different kind of animals as we could come up with. Yay.
1: So, I've been around, I've seen all of them, and I think you guys are the winners. Yes! The 2019 uh, Halloween uh, Costume Award goes to the town clerk. So. Yay! Great job, guys! Thank you. Congratulations.
9: Hi, happy Halloween!
1: Run. Run. One, two, three. Get ready
0: Here's BMC's Jane Peters to tell us about all there is to do in Belmont in the coming week on BMC's community calendar.
6: Hi, I'm Jane and this is your community calendar for next week. Powers Music School presents its Fall Workshop Week next week. Anyone in the community can sign up for fun and interactive classes led by local and regional teaching artists. Classes for adults, seniors, young children, school-aged kids, and high schoolers are available on many topics, from playing the tin whistle to improvisation to yoga for musicians. Learn more about Workshop Week and sign up at powersmusic.org workshop-weeks. Belmont author Sarah B. Fraser will speak on her debut novel Long Division on Monday at 11 at the library. In the novel, Lay Fortune reckons with the fallout of her mother's choices while her grandmother comes to terms with the role she played in the family's unraveling. Visit belmontpubliclibrary.net for more information about this Books and Bites program. As a thank you to our local veterans, the Belmont Council on Aging will host its fifth annual Veterans Breakfast, free for veterans and their families, on Thursday, November 7th from 9 to 1030. Meet Belmont Veterans Service Officer, COA staff, and local reps, and enjoy a special performance by the Company Bees. Call to reserve your seat by Wednesday. The BHS Performing Arts Company presents a stage adaptation of George Orwell's classic novel Animal Farm as their fall play on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at 7 in the BHS Auditorium. Tickets are available at bhs-pac.org. The Belmont Gallery's new exhibit, titled Elemental, is on display now through December 27th. The show features several dozen artists who use the elements of shape, line, form, color, space, and texture in a variety of media to create striking visual narratives. A reception for the show will be held on Saturday from 5 to 8 at the Gallery. Visit belmontgallery.org for more information and visiting hours. Belmont Orthodontics will buy back your child's Halloween candy from November 4th through November 14th. One pound of candy gets you two dollars and earns the FBE and your school's PTO two dollars. The buyback program is open to the entire Belmont community. And that's all for next week. If you'd like your event featured in Belmont Journal's community calendar, you can send your event info to jane at belmontmedia.org.
0: Well that's it for this week's edition of the Belmont Journal. Thanks for watching. I'm your host, Roger Colton. I will see you again next time.